1: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy.
0: That's what the poster said.
1: See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists
0: to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13.
0: What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Bill's Talk with Matt Perino and my co-host Ryan Talbot. Uh, we are it we are done weeks and months and, and it's felt like maybe years sometimes because of the quarantine life our lead up to the uh, 2020 NFL draft the bills made their seven selections Finished it out today and, and we're done here and we have a much clearer picture of what the 2020 Buffalo Bills are going to look like um, a lot to talk about uh, you know uh, on this episode uh, I put this out on Twitter so if you're joining us now live. Uh, feel free to drop questions or, or thoughts uh, on the draft in the comments section, and we'll uh, we'll talk a lot uh, about a lot of it. Um, if you are arriving uh, on this uh, episode of the podcast, live podcast, and you've not been here before, uh, check out Bill's Talk with Matt Perino. Search it on all of your podcast uh, networks, uh, applications. Subscribe, rate, review. It really helps us out. I uh, just want to give a, a little ch- uh, shout out for that. But let's get into this thing. So we left off last night at about 1.30 in the morning uh, with the Bills adding A.J. Epinesa uh, and Zach Moss, uh, running back and edge rusher. And and going into today, I think the the prevailing wisdom on Bills' Twitter was that the Bills were going to uh, maybe get a chance to, to take a cornerback at, with their first pick in the fourth round. And a guy that we've all been talking about, Bryce Hall out of Virginia, Uh, A lot of people had him mocked in the third round. When We had our live mock last week. We had, um, I think it was Marcel who went uh, Mm -hmm. with Bryce Hall in the third round. Uh, And so the value seemed to be there, but the bills instead of going with Bryce Hall went wide receiver, Gabriel Davis, a very interesting uh, name. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about him uh, out of the university of central Florida. What was your initial thoughts when, this thing happened, and he was on the board. Bryce Hall, and and even a couple other cornerback potential targets in the Bills went wide receiver.
1: Yeah, you know, and, and it wasn't even the wide receiver that some people thought. A lot of people thought like Gandy Golden would would be the guy to went wide receiver. So it, it was a little bit of a surprise pick, but at the same time, it makes a lot of sense in terms of what he brings. Uh, he has some size, six one, six two in that range. Uh, that vertical threat. Uh, pretty good with the contested catches. Gives Just brings a little something different to the wide receiver room. And, you know, overall, I, I was pretty happy about the pick. And I think Bills should be happy about it because this is such a deep wide receiver class that I thought that the Bills should at least go to that position once in the draft. And obviously they went to it a second time as well. Uh, so overall, though, I, I thought it was a good pick. I think it's going to uh, be direct competition for Robert Foster. Uh, because they both kind of have some similarities there in terms of what they bring to the table. So, you know, I, I, didn't have any issues with that selection whatsoever.
0: Me, me either. And it's interesting because once you got past some of those second round targets that I thought were really in the wheelhouse for the bills and, and Brandon Bean even said yesterday that, uh, he had some, uh, some pretty high grades on, on some of the guys that were still available after the first round, um, I I kind of wasn't considering it. I thought they could go maybe, uh, you know, I I was really intrigued by edge rusher. I tweeted out right before the pick uh, Bradley and I, who they'd spent time with at the senior bowl and the combine was on the board. Uh, But even with beans comments yesterday, and we talked about, I still think it would have been pretty wild to go after they just took AJ Epinesa to go edge rusher. But uh, I want to see what, you know, what staying true to the board would mean. And interestingly enough tonight on, on the, uh, on the zoom conference call, Brandon Bean said that Gabe, uh, Davis was the top guy on their board when they made that pick. And so you really start to dive in to his uh, tape a little bit, watch a couple of the highlight uh, videos, because I didn't spend a lot of time in the pre-draft process with this being such a uh, on Gabe uh, Davis, because with this being such a, a deep wide receiver class, I think most of um, you know, the media and fans were spending time really breaking down, you know, that top 10 uh, especially when the bill before the, the Stefan Diggs trade. And so as, as you start to dive into Gabe Davis a little bit, learn a little bit about him, he's a really intriguing, uh, you know, addition to this wide receiving core uh, mainly because he does something that's not currently on the roster. At least at, I think the level that he has the potential to do it at uh, really sure handed uh, wide receiver, not, not a blazer, not the fastest guy, but he gets open. Um, he gets open in his routes. And by the way, um, I should probably let people know. I sent out a tweet, uh, <laughs> before we started, and I had the link to join, uh, where we film these live uh, shows. Uh, I sent that tweet out instead of the YouTube tweet, so we had people coming in from their leave- living rooms, just joining right into our, our live stream. And maybe we'll do that one time, and we'll open it up to uh, uh, fans. We could do a little uh, live chat that way. But um, I think Davis is something that um, you know. Brandon joked that they have all these Smurfs on the roster, like Sean McDermott said in, in training camp last year. And now he wants to, you know, get some big guys. And both guys that they added, uh, Isaiah Hodgins as well, uh, he's even bigger at six foot four, two twenty. And so I think that, you know, I wasn't uh, I wasn't subscribing to the idea that they had to get a contested catch guy. But now that they have a couple of those, I think that that's a good thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Bring in something a little bit different that you don't have. Uh, add some variety there, add some competition to the position, just like he's been doing at offensive line the last few years. Maybe there'll be one or two players that aren't going to make this roster that another team will send a late round pick for. Now, you know, you look at the bills roster, I'm not sure there are any wide receivers at the bottom of that depth chart. Uh, guys like Robert Foster, possibly Isaiah McKenzie, Duke Williams, then another team would want to trade a pick for, but it's at least something that could be in play, have that competition you know, the, may the best people stick on this roster. The others can, uh, a few, I'm sure have practice squad eligibility and, and you can kind of manage that out, but don't just stay with the status quo, bring in some guys that you think can, can beat out some of the people that you currently have on your roster.
0: We didn't get into this too much yesterday, but I wanted to bring it up today because I, I had some conversation with, uh, about it on social media. And I see uh, a couple of comments uh, talking about Robert uh, Foster and he's very interesting. And I asked specifically about him to Brandon. And so we'll talk about that in a minute, but I wanted to back it up to yesterday, the addition of Zach Moss. Um, you know, I was, when I first tweeted it out, I, I tweeted out, you know, the bills found the Devin Singletary's backup. And, and that's how I view Zach Moss at this stage right now coming in, he's going to walk in day one of training camp and he is going to be the running back two to Devin Singletary as the running back one. Uh, the reason I say that is I don't think that there's a you know anything uh, precluding Zach Moss from developing into a starting running back in this league. But I think when you have a guy in Singletary that had the kind of production he had in year 1, um especially dealing with an injury kind of right off the jump early on in the season and to come back, rebound and still p- I I think he's going to go into next season as the starter. Um, I think it's going to be a tandem. I don't think it's a very important thing, but I think if, if we're talking about a, uh, a packing order, it starts with Singletary and Moss is clearly in that, in, in that backup role. And I wanted your thoughts on it.
1: Yeah, I agree completely with that. Now, 2021, maybe it's more of a one, a one B where they share the load, uh, you know, kind of down the middle as a running back by committee. But one thing that fans have to remember, maybe you're, even if you're very, very high in Zach Moss and I liked Zach Moss a lot. I, I was. Uh, banging on the Zach Moss drum a little bit uh, among the running backs after, after some of those top guys went. There's going to be a shortened off season this year. Okay, he can, he can do all the workouts from home. He can learn the playbook from home. But there's something a lot different from learning at home than actually being in, in Buffalo with your teammates and actually practicing. And there might be a shortened training camp. And th- there's a lot of things to factor in where some of these rookies are going to be behind the eight ball a little bit, so to speak. Uh, In terms of being able to contribute immediately to this team, which, you know, good news for the Bills is they're so talented and deep uh, that these rookies don't necessarily have to come in and and contribute day one as a starter. You can kind of rotate these guys in, ease them in. And and, and the same goes for Moss.
0: Definitely. Uh, Robert Foster, let's move to him Uh, because I think that, you know, I was very high on Robert Foster in 2019, bullish on his uh, chances to. Uh, kind of be that complimentary piece to John, John Brown, uh, even though he was active for the most part of the season, um, once they moved on from Zay Jones and, you know, Duke Williams had his, his shot in the, in those two games there. And then they went to Robert Foster predominantly the rest of the way. He never really figured it out. And I don't, I still would like to believe that a piece of that has to be a piece of the blame needs to go on the bills for not putting him in a position to, to have some success. But the more I think about it, the more I'm wondering if he just, you know, was a, um, if he benefited from being on a bad team with not a lot of options and teams, maybe not respecting, uh, the Josh Allen led rookie, Josh Allen led bills offense. Uh, he was able to make some, uh, some plays. I'm wondering if, I say this because I look at these two wide receiver additions today and it really makes me wonder if the bills don't have any confidence in Robert Foster in terms of pushing for a roster spot. What are
1: your thoughts on this? I think that's fair. And going to your initial point, I think there's something to be said about that. There wasn't a lot of tape on Robert Foster, you know uh, from his Alabama days. So he comes in, he has some success with the deep ball He makes some big plays one of the most productive guys over the final stretch in 2018. And, and I, I bought into it too. And I said, boy, this guy could really have a big role in 2019 and it just never happened. Um, and, and when we were up at training camp, I remember one of the, one of the other guys on the beat said, he, he's kind of like John Brown light, where he can do all the same things that John Brown does, but John Brown just does everything better. Um, and, and, Maybe that shook his confidence a little bit, knowing that he couldn't compete with, with Brown. Maybe, maybe just the opportunities and the lack thereof at times last year did something to his psyche. Uh, I, I can't sit here and say for sure, but we never saw the end of the season 2018 Robert Foster in 2019. Maybe other teams watched the film on him, and, and they learned you know what his strengths are and how to play him. That's obviously something that can happen. Uh, once there's film out there on you, teams learn and they learn quickly. So for whatever reason, Foster did not pan out last year. And you look at this current roster now, he's not cracking the top three. Uh, you know, right now he's in play for for wide receiver number four, but I'm not, I'm not going to say that he's a favorite for it after what we saw from him last season.
0: Um, all good uh, points. I'll bring up a question on the screen here uh, from David. <laughs> Uh, great follow on Twitter. Uh, David uh, Chadillo. I don't want to butcher that last name. I hope I did it justice. Uh, with a couple larger wide receiver targets now, is it possible Foster fits in better now as a speed guy? We just covered that instead of keeping McKenzie and kind of a single utility guy. And it's funny, I think that what the Bills did in this draft kind of opens things up for Isaiah to maybe keep that role if he can at least earn a roster spot. But it's going to be tough. I mean, you, you go, you start off the jump. You're going to have three, three, three guys right off the uh, bat, Stephon Diggs, John Brown, Cole Beasley. Andre Roberts is your return man. So now you're looking at maybe two spots uh, you know, for, for two more players. Can McKenzie beat out two draft picks? Are they going to roster six receivers? Um, at times last year, it was, it was five, if I'm correct. No, Robert Foster was, was active too. Um, it's a good question. I, I, I think that all three of those guys at the bottom of the depth chart now Isaiah, Robert and Duke Williams have real up, uphill battles and unless something drastic happens over the course of the offseason, I think the Duke sto- the Duke Williams uh fan favorite story could be uh, coming to a close but that at the same time that's that's a good thing that means your roster is improving you don't have to rely on, on some of these uh uh kind of pitches that you throw with your eyes closed you know what i mean like hey we'll bring this guy in he did some things a couple years ago uh had some problems and listen duke williams had had his moments last year but i think you want to rely on you know the work that your scouts do you know the the talent that you're evaluating and you think that you can develop duke williams is a little bit older still and that's something to consider
1: yeah they're not and going back to the discussion you know gabriel davis is making this roster he's a lock he was you know He was drafted early enough where they're not going to try to sneak him into a practice squad. Now, Hodgins, a little bit later, maybe he's not a lock, but there's at least one rookie making this squad guaranteed. So there's four right there. Even if you say Roberts is just strictly your return man, you don't kind of associate him as a wide receiver. You're still looking at one or two spots and you have McKenzie, who they like as the utility guy. You know, Duke's going to probably compete with Hodgins for a role uh, in terms of that big guy, contested catches. in one area where Hodgins is, is a lot better already is in terms of the hands. Very reliable pass catcher. Uh, we, we saw Duke make some really good plays last year when he had opportunities, but we also saw some pretty key drops, especially one in that playoff game uh, that should have gone for a touchdown. So you're right. Some of these feel good stories, you know, they might not have a happy ending in 2020. but like you said, that's a good thing in a way for the, for the Bills because you you want to have those fan favorites. Remember, a few years ago it was Brendan Riley in the preseason; everyone wanted him there. And there's always those guys. But when you st- when you have a playoff team and you keep building it and you keep adding more and more talent, those feel good stories. It, it's harder and harder to to make that roster as one of those feel good guys.
0: Definitely. Um, moving right along, I want to get to the next topic because I think we can sink our teeth into this one, because this threw me for a little bit of a loop at first, the bills in the fifth round going quarterback, uh, Jake Fromm from, from Georgia, uh, at times in the draft process, a guy that I think probably more so before the combine, a guy that some people thought could go day two, maybe even end of, uh, the first round. Uh, but Brandon Bean said they went into this draft with no um intention to even think about drafting a quarterback but you know he is a creature of habit he is a slave to his board and when he was looking at that board in the 5th round Jake Fromm was was glaringly sticking out on the board and and so i think one, one thing i want to start with and i think this is the most important key to why they ultimately made the decision to bring him in a i think Josh Allen's far enough to in his career to be confident in, in himself as the franchise quarterback and starter, but also the football IQ, what he brings in terms of you know leadership at Georgia, how smart he is. He he loves football. He's he's always got his head in the playbook, he's a great communicator. Those are kind of the things that I think Matt Barkley has done a good job in serving in that backup role. So if you can get a nice young uh, player with some upside, to kind of groom, to take over that role long-term, especially on a rookie contract in the fifth round, it makes a ton of sense as a shot in the dark.
1: Yeah, uh, Fromm probably was the best player available at that point in terms of, of their their draft board, uh, was a guy that I don't think he was ever really a day-two option, even though some people did talk about him oh. in that light, but I thought he could be an early day-three guy, so for him to be sitting there that long uh, I, I think it was the right decision. Uh, I think you need to have a reliable backup in case something happens to Josh Allen. And I'm not saying Fromm can be that guy day one, but he can at least compete for that role against Matt Barkley uh, to, to kind of step up and say, okay, if something happens to Josh Allen short-term, long-term, that he can manage the game and he can lead this team to victories uh, because they have enough talent right now to make a run not only to the playoffs, but pretty deep into the playoffs in the AFC, in my opinion. You know, but b- before I go too far into from, I'm I'm gonna kind of throw my detective cap on right now, Matt.
0: Ooh, do you actually have a de- detective cap there?
1: I wish I did. Okay, I that would have been and, and like one of those like pipes that Sherlock Holmes used to have. Maybe I'd have like a bubble one. Bubbles <laughs> okay. would come out of it. <laughs> we're we're deliriously tired, folks, so we're talking about bubble pipes and and hats and all this stuff. But anyways, Brandon Bean said at one point in the draft he was going to trade up. And he had a deal in place, three to four spots uh, uh, ahead with an NFC team, but it fell through because the player they were going to draft went, went off the board. Okay, I think it was Bryce Hall. I'm throwing it out there. I'm letting America know right now. And I think it was a few picks before the From pick. Mm-hmm. I think that they were going to go up and get Bryce Hall. The Jets take him, and that deal falls through. And then when that deal falls through, there's not another cornerback that they like as much. So they start looking at their draft board, and and Fromm is that one player that's sticking out like a sore thumb in terms of their overall uh, board and grades. And I'm actually I, I'm going to do a piece on it tomorrow. I'm going to go through using what Bean said and go round by round and try to figure this out. So there you go. I'm, I'm going to, a little teaser. And you, don't
0: have, you don't have to do that much work, too, because he's not talking. He wasn't talking about day one. No. Um, obviously not day 1 and and I don't think he was talking about day 2 because the question he would have said it yesterday on the on the call so yeah I think that's uh very interesting and but it also you know at the same time you know as, as much as people like Bryce um Bryce Hall I think it's interesting that his stock dropped as much as it did and you know there's probably a reason for that uh, but at the same time, I I like your thinking because it's like if Brandon's willing to maybe give a uh six-round pick to move up to get him, uh, it would have been interesting. But again, I, I do think that the the cornerback room is pretty much set. I I'm 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 a little bit more um hopeful than a lot of people are on EJ Gaines. I think a year out of football will will do him wonders in terms of getting his body right. Uh getting back in the facility, I think they're gonna take him really slow and who knows what the off season program is going to even look like at this point. Uh and I've come around on Josh uh, Josh Norman too and you remember when Josh when Josh Norman was cut, I wrote an almost instant reactionary story, Bills don't sign Josh Norman. Uh you know, I went back and watched some of his his games and it just looked like a player that didn't have it anymore. But the more that I've, you know, spent time thinking about it, uh, educating myself on, you know, the differences in the schemes, I think that it just makes much more sense. And I I don't think that Sean McDermott would take that kind of risk unless he had premium confidence that a guy could come in here and contribute.
1: No, I I think that's a fair argument. I really do. Um, just because like you said, with, with all the uncertainty this season, especially you you do want to have guys that, you know, can come in immediately and contribute. Looks like our uh, our audio is not working today,
0: huh? I don't
1: know. I, I saw some people clowning me for my earbuds, but they're kind of busted, so I have to wear them like this. I have to order new earbuds, guys. I'm, I'm sorry. Well,
0: well, we're working on our audio setup too. <laughs> we're going to get you the microphone. Um, yeah, we're going to do... This This is a work in progress. It's funny. A couple stories. I'll tell one about um, the, the press conference, and then um, this podcast was you know, I have very big plans for what I want this to be eventually. And I saw I was going to kind of slow play the launch of it. And so when the um, pandemic happened, I was like, man, everybody's kind of sitting around looking for for content. I'm like, you know, we did these YouTube shows, let's just launch this now. But I think long term, stay tuned, because this is going to be really cool once this thing is over, uh, some of the ideas that we have for it. Um, But in terms of In terms of the uh, press conference tonight, Brandon Bean was um, uh, asked a question last night uh, by my guy, Mookie Hawkins, from uh, Wufo Sports, uh, one of the local uh, radio stations. And he said, uh, people are going to start calling you uh, uh, Brandon uh, the burglar because you keep stealing all these draft picks. (laughs) (laughs) And it it took off a little bit, so I... Uh... So I asked him tonight, and I said before I asked my question about, uh, I think it was Levi Wallace. I said, "What do you prefer, Brandon? Brandon being the burglar or Big Baller Bean?" And he got uh, he got a little bit of a kick out of it. So
1: <laughs> watch my clip if you can find
0: it. I got I got to try to find it. Um, but yeah, back to Fromm for a moment, and I see Mike's comment here. Fromm was Todd Todd McShay's number one in best available for what seemed like two hours. Yeah, <laughs> which that's. You know that is pretty interesting, and um, you go back and you and you uh, kind of read up on what was happening at the combine and some of the people that watched him. I think it was Lewis Riddick on ESPN that said when he was down field level watching From throw, he said it it really looked like he lacked. I think his direct quote was the horsepower, you know, to be an effective NFL quarterback. And so, um, he's got some some things, some traits that he's got to overcome. Uh, But I think that there's no pressure in this situation, not only on the bills, but on from, I mean, you're walking into a situation where everything that you do is gravy because you're behind a franchise quarterback, a top 10 quarterback, and a quarterback that not only is the, have the bills built around Josh Allen, but they're now to the point in the rebuild and, or the build, I should say where they're, they're expected to compete this year. So anything that from gives them, if he makes the roster, if he doesn't, Uh, I think it's just gravy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and it is funny, though, because Fromm is pretty much the exact opposite uh, of Josh Allen. And I think it was Charles McDonald of the New York uh, Daily Post. He said, you know, the Bills are going to combine Josh Allen and Fromm into one quarterback. And he's going to be like the greatest quarterback (laughs) in the league when you put all their intangibles together. Great picks. But uh from throws with timing with anticipation he he's not the velocity he's not the guy that can squeeze into the tight windows but that doesn't mean that he can't make it in the nfl there have been other quarterbacks that haven't had a josh allen like arm that is that have had pretty successful careers whether it's as a starter or as a backup so you know I, i'm willing to at least play this out wait and see what happens there and, and go from that point in time to see how he does
0: yeah i just saw the um the comments about your earphone, yeah, your earbuds, so that's good.
1: I, my kids use them; they're busted. I have to wear them a certain way so I can hear out of them. It, it's it's a whole thing.
0: I've always appreciated the way that you, you wear them. So <laughs> I think if you're listening to this in podcast form, you should you should go over to YouTube, and watch it, just yeah. so you can see Ryan in his in his earbuds.
1: But see now, all I can see is the steth- uh, stethoscope thing that they were saying. So I I feel like it should like be checking like heartbeats and things. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, Moving it along here. Uh, <sighs> Let's get into this kicker talk before we uh, get out of here. Um, you know the Bills, uh, Tyler Bass, uh, Georgia Southern, uh, big big leg. I mean, I was watching some of his uh, his uh, Twitter videos, and I think he hit a fifty yarder one like standing still. I uh, basically just swung through at a standing at a ball sitting on the ground fifty yards and put it through. Um, you know, Brandon said that the the Bills still have confidence. <laughs> excuse me, in um, Steven Hauschka. Uh, but I think that, you know, spending a six-round six draft pick on a, on a kicker sends a significant message that they're, they want that uh, position to be locked down. And, you know, he also said that, you know, Vedvik uh, is a guy that was brought in to, primarily to be a punter, but also because he can he can kick long field goals. He's got a big leg. And that's an area where, you know, they just weren't sending Haushka out to kick long field goals last year. So to have someone on your roster that has limitations like that, I don't think that makes anybody, you know, Brandon or Sean comfortable going into a very important 2020 season.
1: You know, absolutely. And, you know, speaking of Bass, I think he really made some money for himself in, in terms of being a, a draft pick at the Senior Bowl where he had a really strong week. And then at the game, four for four on extra points two for two on field goals, including a 50 yarder that uh, he made with relative ease. So, you know, Buffalo is not the easiest place to kick with the swirling winds with the weather and things like that. So if he can kind of show that consistency early and show that he has that leg and even uh, handle the kickoff responsibilities, there could be a spot for him on this roster. But Vedvik's interesting from, from the punter perspective, too, because you know, Corey Bajorquez, there's some people that like him and say he's young. He's had his moments. There's others that say, I want this guy gone. And when you look at the advanced stats, he he's probably was one of, if not the worst punter in the league last year in terms of situational. Um, in certain situations, I guess is the best way to put it. So special teams as a whole, the kicker-punter competition is going to be interesting this offseason.
0: For sure. All right. We've been going for almost 30. Uh, I'm going to open it up before we get out of here. Uh, if you guys have any questions that you really want us to hit before we get out of here, we'll take them now because I think I'm going to take a couple days break from video and, uh, everything like that. The last couple days have been, um, intense and we wanted to go hard and, you know, really provide the best coverage that we can. Uh, and I think that we, uh, we hopefully did that. I, I hope that you guys enjoyed it, but I, I want to also talk about whatever you want to talk about. Cause we're going to we'll be offline here for a few days. Um, uh, you look at, you know, kind of what the bills did uh, definitely follow uh, over on uh, the site and Ryan's got a UDFA tracker. Make sure that you're uh, uh, um, following that. That'll be really interesting to see. But I mean, just generally speaking here, What's our initial impressions of the I mean, this is really the first time where you have a real clear glimpse of what this roster is going to look like in 2020. So I guess as we sit here, immediate reactions, and this isn't even Monday Monday morning quarterback. This is like late Sunday night <laughs> quarterbacking, but um where do you place expectations now? I mean, I think that you know there was nothing done the last two days that Significantly upgraded the bills on either side of the ball, but I feel like the depth is so strong at certain positions now that this is really this is really turning into a whole nother conversation. I'll answer that, and then I'll have a follow up point.
1: Yeah, I actually agree with that. Epineza and Moss—they can come in and contribute, but not start as rookies. Uh, same thing with, with the wide receivers possibly, both of them possibly contributing as rookies. But there's no one player, and it's because they, they traded for Stephon Diggs, who is their, you know technically their first-round pick who will be coming in and uh, making a big impact with the Bills in, in 2020. But of the actual draft picks, no, there's no one that you sit here and say they're going to step in day one and make a major contribution unless it's actually Bass from the kicking standpoint. Um, but you look around the AFC East and – the Dolphins drafted pretty well. The Jets drafted pretty well. You know, believe it or not, of the Jets draft picks, the only the, the biggest one that I'm iffy on is the offensive tackle they took in round one. Definitely one of the top four offensive tackles, but I thought of the top four, he was the biggest boomer bust guy. Mm-hmm. This guy is either going to be an All Pro or he's going to be out of the league in three or four years. Had the weight issues and things like that, and I know that Joe Douglas talked with them and, and you know was keeping track of that with them. But I thought worse would have been better for them personally, but I thought that they had one heck of a draft. Uh, Patriots, you know, Patriots had a pretty good draft. They didn't really address well, Let's that get into the
0: Patriots a little bit, though. They still, whoever's going to be the quarterback, they still don't have any weapons. I mean, even the two tight ends they got, I think I put it out there, six years they they played in, combined in college and they barely had 100 receptions combined. Uh, didn't get a wide receiver in the in the most – uh, wide receiver, rich class, or if they did, it was late, late in the draft. I, I they had a lot of picks, so I, di- I didn't keep fully track of, of the, but I, I'm looking at it right now. And then, and they added some pieces. I, I think the Patriots have a chance to be the worst team in the division.
1: <laughs> it's tough because I don't want to count out Belichick, but when you look at what they did in the draft, you look at what these other teams did. You look at what the other teams did in the off season you factor in the that uh Sam Darnold's going to be a little bit better this year. He obviously missed some time last year and they still put up a you know by the end of the season they were what 7 and 9. Yeah, they had the cupcake game against the Bills backups but considering he was out all that time uh, with Mono, they were actually as bad as as uh, the record indicated last year. Miami, I don't think Tua's is going to play this year. I think they're going to let him Sit on the bench and learn from Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick though can be very capable. He can go on those hot streaks and things like that. Um, you know, you know the nightmare scenario is the Patriots go really bad for one year and then land Trevor Lawrence. Now I don't think that's going to happen, uh, but I, you know I think Bills fans would openly weep if that did occur, just because we, they've been through so much with Tom Brady. Uh, but I, I think they're well coached enough that they would at least be kind of uh, middle of the pack, so to speak. Um, but what, could they be the worst team in the AFC East? I don't think it's out of the realm of the possibility. I just think that Belichick factor. I still think there's enough talent on defense. I think that they can kind of focus <laughs> on the run game as their strength. Um, in, in terms of what they'll do in, in 2020 on offense, that they can at least kind of uh, uh, tread water and, and compete for a little while in this division.
0: Yeah, I think that you know, while I do think that I would like to see a little bit more done offensively for New England. Uh, and when I say I want, I mean, I don't really have a, a horse in the race. I'm just saying if you're, if you're a Patriots fan sitting there, which nobody in this chat room is, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you probably, you're probably happy because you look at what they did in this draft and even in free agency and you have an, uh, an aging Julian Edelman, uh, an enkil Harry that was really just looked out of, out of sorts every time I watched him play last year. And then you go out and get a couple tight ends that just. I, I was kind of baffled. I thought the I thought the move should have been the way they traded back and the way the board fell. Go get Cole Komet from Notre Dame at that spot instead of Kyle Duggar. I think that could be a significant misstep for Bill Belichick. And, and I'm not sitting here banging on, on Kyle Duggar. He could be a great defensive player and defensive weapon for that defense that you know continues to make them uh, have one of the best defenses in the league. But I just think with you saw how bad things were offensively last year, and you had the greatest quarterback of all time. Now, you could potentially have Jared Stidham or, or Brian Hoyer, and I know I know there's options still out there, and we talked about them, but um, it'll be interesting to see. Um, my I, I, I really like what Miami's done, and I think that they take in the slow approach, and I like what you said about too. I thought it's when they first took him, Fitzpatrick probably starts the season, and then he comes in later on. But the more I think about it, I agree with you. I think they. They let Tua kind of like, hey, if you're really feeling good and and we want to get you a couple games later in the second half of the season, maybe uh, something to think about. But um, I, they took some offensive linemen that are kind of developmental type guys. Uh, Austin Jackson in the first round, pretty early for what I think, where I think you could have gotten him. But I like the move because if he does turn into something year two, year three, perfect timing for Tua and, and what they'll have. And they're probably going to still have some good, I think they have two first round picks next year as well. Um, so that's something interesting to see. It's going to be a great division, um, to cover, to watch uh, a couple more questions in here and we'll, we'll answer a couple before we get out of here. Um, Daniel wanted Dugger around the bills. I think a lot of people want to dug around the bills. And I thought like, if you followed some of the guys on the beat, I thought, um, you know, you put out a, a mock draft, you had a lot of coverage of Duggar, Joe B, obviously Marcel as well. Um, you know, it, it would have been interesting to see what that could have meant in this de- in this bill's defense, but. I think uh, Epinesa is also equally intriguing. Um, do you think we'll let Murphy walk for cap space? Um, I mean, why wouldn't we, Ryan?
1: Yeah, I think that if as long as Epinesa performs well and they like what they see out of him, that Murphy's spot is in danger, especially if top guys uh, stay healthy. And I couldn't help but chuckle because Daniel also added to that Duggar comment, he is dead to me now. <laughs> it's a little extreme. <laughs> <laughs> I've
0: seen Daniel in here the last couple of live chats. He's he's a little bit on the extreme, man. I I like it.
1: it. Um, But
0: then you got Kevin uh, Masseri running the Trainwreck Sports account. It looks like because he's good night, big nickel. Uh, Shout out uh, Masseri and uh, my boy the Lockport Loudmouth. Uh, Go go check out their podcast, the Crowd Assist Podcast, over on Trainwreck Sports. Uh, They're very supportive of our stuff too. But anyway, yeah. So I think. we're both. We're we're need to, <laughs> we need to hit the pillow, uh, man. This, is, this has been uh, a crazy 48 hours it's been fun though man this is uh, it has been fun. it's a whole new world that we're stepping into for 2020 uh, a year where potentially the bills uh, the team to beat uh, it's been a long long time and both of us have grown up around this city and this organization uh, and, and it's gonna be fun it, it reminds me of you know my my uh, you know pre-high school years. Uh, When we used to have uh, pep rallies for the bills in schools, you know, it was a, that was a different time. So uh, it's exciting. Uh, And we appreciate all of your guys' support, checking us out, watching uh, uh, our our shows, listening, uh, subscribing, liking, all that kind of stuff. And always check out our work over at nyupinsyracuse.com. We'll have you covered over there and we're going to kind of slow roll things. I think, you know, I was going to come out with all my grades um, today, but I decided to take a little bit of a step back. And I think what I want to do is, We'll roll those out over the course of next week um, because, you know, what else do we got to talk about <laughs> uh, <laughs> as we move on here? So uh, I'll come out uh, probably Monday. <laughs> I'll grade the entire draft class. Um, and then we'll do some individual uh, stories up on the site and and go check out Ryan's UDFA tracker. Uh, we'll see what where that goes. My man, you earned some sleep. Go get hey, some.
1: Hey, you too. You too.
0: Thank you, everyone. Uh, This has been the uh, Bill's Talk with Matt Perino Ryan Talbot. Uh, Check it out on all your podcast applications, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show. Wherever you find it, Apple, Stitcher, uh, Google, um, Spotify, subscribe, uh, leave a review, rate, all that kind of stuff. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much, and have a great night.